Yeah, as Matt was talking this morning and praying, there was that call last week. We just said, you know, if you just want to be able to step out into what God has you, has for you in terms of the ministry of reconciliation that we have with the world in preaching the gospel to put up your hand. So there's many out there today that did that. And um, it's such a privilege to be part of this presentation of the gospel to the world. But what are we going to present? And whose authority are we standing in when we present it? It's actually a pretty uh, important thing to understand. Because although we have a mission and we've been sent by Christ, do we understand that the authority that we have is in him? Today I just wanted to look at a few verses um, and a few things that just maybe could, could boost our confidence a little bit in what God is asking us to do. Because when we go out and preach the gospel, it is not us preaching a message that we are not authorised to preach. It is something that Jesus has actually given us the ability and the power to do. But what is it? Next week I'll probably really look a bit more at what is the gospel that we preach. But today I just want to let you know that you have an authority to actually do it. What's authority? Well, I guess the best way to look at it is that I mean, it does mean power, I guess, in some ways, but authority is something different. It's something that's designated to us by someone. So, for example, if I, when I was in the police force, I could um, have authority to stop a car. So um, I remember once in our training, we, we uh, went out to the traffic lights at Berrimah and we had to do, you know, the hand signals, you know, you move here, you know. and guess what? Cars stopped for us. You see the other guys out on the roads with the lollipops? Stop, slow, stop, slow. And they've got authority to actually carry out that work. So when you come up to that sign, do you speed through? Not usually, right? Hopefully not. <laughs> but there's something about a position or an authority that's being given to them. So, we, so for a policeman, for example, he doesn't have power to stop a car, Right? He can't stand in front of the car and if the car's going, he can't just say, stop, and like the force is there and he's stopping the car. I like Star Wars, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the good side, not the dark side. And, uh, but there's a power that he doesn't have, but what he lacks in actual power, he has in authority. Now, Christ has given us not only authority, but also power through the Holy Spirit that lives in our life. But... If we don't believe and understand that our authority comes from Christ, it means that we could be illegitimate in what we're trying to do. There's a story in the Bible in Acts, and it's about um, the sons of Sceva, I think it was, that were going around casting out demons. Well, they decided that that was a great idea. You know, They'd go out and try and get demons out of people. And what happened was they, they did it, but they got an awful beating. Because the demons said to them, well, wait a minute whose name are you doing this by? What, what's the authority that you have over us to, to actually get rid of us? And they said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? You have no right to carry out that work that you're trying to carry out. And so they ended up, I think their clothes are torn and they ran away naked or something like that. Not really good, right? <laughs> And so authority is actually very, very important in terms of the mission that we're going out on because we can go out in two ways. One, we can go out in our own strength and think that this is something that we're doing. It's like 
we're trying to get people into some sort of club or, or some sort of um, religion when it's really not that at all. Jesus understood authority. Jesus understood that everything he did, he only did because the Father had asked him to do it. The Bible says that he taught with authority. And he had the authority to forgive sin. He gave the disciples authority to go and cast out demons, heal the sick and all that stuff. And he's also given it to us. Now that he's died and risen again, he's been exalted to this place of power in heaven, authority. The Bible says he sits on the right hand of the Father. And the the Father has given him all authority and all power in heaven and on earth. And has put everything under his feet except, of course, God the Father. The Bible says that, of course, not that. But then the Bible says we also have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. What does that mean? It means that we are also seated because we are united with Christ when we receive him as our saviour and begin to walk in the salvation that he has given us. He has given us authority to carry out his work on earth. So when we go out and we're, we're living this Christian life and we've been given this command that we looked at last week, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. We're not doing it because it's something that we decided to do, but there is a higher power that is authorizing us to do it. So when I'm a policeman, the authority that I have doesn't come from me. It comes from the government, which has made these laws, and they have the power to actually, if you disobey, to get you arrested, thrown in jail, and punished for what you've done. There's authority there. When someone wakes up in the morning in their normal clothes and goes and puts on their policeman clothes and has their badge and everything like that, they walk out with the authority of the government behind them. What does that mean? It means you better obey or you will suffer the consequences. Yet most likely, and, and unless for some reason we've been given authority, we can't just go out there and order the traffic around. People are going to look at you and say, you're an idiot. What are you doing Get off the road, get out of our way, unless there's a really good reason. And so we need to understand that the gospel that we've been given to preach has been authorised by Jesus himself. If you write a cheque out and you sign it, but you are not a signatory for the account, you are not authorised for that money to be transferred to someone else's account. What you have to do is go to the bank, give all your ID, the 100 points of ID and give a sample specimen of a signature and then when you sign the cheque, you are authorised for that cheque to be cashed. Can you see how it's working? You can go and do something without Jesus or you can decide, wait a minute, he has actually given me authority. When we understand that, it changes everything. As I was thinking about that this week, what does that mean? It means that when I'm there praying, the authority that I have is not from me. It's not how good I am. It's not how loud my prayers are. It's not even how magnificent they might be. But it's my faith in Jesus Christ and understanding that it's his authority. He healed the sick and he said, you can go and do the same. Why? Because I've said you can. I'm authorizing you to do it. You see, God is the first cause of everything. The first cause. He's the one who created. He's the one right now that can change your sickness and remove it from your body because he is the first cause. He's above 
healing naturally. He's above healing through doctors, which is all great. But there are times when you do not have any other option. And unfortunately, it is like that with us, that that's when we go to God. But he is the first cause. He is the one who created the earth, isn't he? He spoke and it was. He said, let there be light and there was light. Whatever God said happened. And Jesus is asking us to take up that right now. And it was interesting, as Bob started to talk this morning, he said about the person he wanted to punch and and how he used to pray against them. Have any of us ever done that? Do you know what? We're not actually authorised to do that. This is why it is so vital to know what the Scriptures say. We're not authorised to do that because Jesus said what? Pray against your enemies. No, he said pray for your enemies. He said love your enemies. He said love your enemies. You're authorised to love your enemies. You're not authorised to pray against them. Because we take our authority from him and what he said. He is the one who is now above everything. Think about Jesus on the cross. He's been whipped, humiliated, the crown of thorns stuck on his head, being abused, being told, basically ridiculed for saying he's the son of God. And what did he do? He looked out and he said, God, smash these guys. Just send down lightning from heaven and dissolve every Roman soldier that's beaten me. Just destroy every Jewish leader. No, he didn't, did he? What did he do? Look at that. said, Father, forgive him. Wow. That is pretty amazing, isn't it? And as Christians, we need to know what authority we have because then we can stand with confidence and power to preach the gospel of Christ, which is what? Well, we looked a little bit at it last week. What did Jesus come to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, open blinded eyes, and he said he came to destroy the works of the devil. And as Christians, now that authority has been passed to us. So when you go out as a Christian, you are not acting in your own goodness, your own strength, your own magnificence, your power to do anything, but it is the power of Christ that works through you to bring salvation. Isn't that good? Because we know we can't save anybody, right? Only God can save. (laughs) Only God can actually save. And the, and the ministry that is given to us is one that we have the authority to carry out. So I just want to put that out there today. Because as you go, sometimes you think, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not bold enough, I'm not whatever. But there's an authority that is much higher than you that you're walking in. And when you understand I'm not resting or living in my own strength, but it is the authority that comes from above that is now inside of me, it actually allows us to walk in a different way because we're not thinking, I have to do this. If I lay hands on the sick, I'm going to heal them. You don't heal anybody. It is the authority that you have in Jesus Christ to step out in his name. And the Bible says when we are abiding in Christ that we can ask anything of him. Whatever we ask, we can put our hands and we can say, Jesus Heal this person. 
Let your power flow through them. We can pray for their family. We can do all those sorts of things. But there is an authority that comes from God. Jesus understood that. And I just want to read a story about a Roman centurion to show you just how important it was. And this is one of the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, Matthew. In fact, it's the first book in the New Testament. And we're looking at chapter 8. So if, you, if you're writing that down, it's Matthew chapter 8. And we're starting at verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man... Under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. You see, the centurion understood that Jesus was not acting in his own authority, and in fact, Jesus was was um, constantly trying to be trapped by, by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time that would say, by what authority are you doing this? Now, Jesus knew the authority because God had sent him and he said, I only do what the Father has sent me to do. But they wanted proof. And he said, I'll give you proof. He, he said, you know, I forgive this guy's sin. Well, who gives you that authority? He said, I'll show you. Get up and walk. He got up and walked. It's amazing the power that worked through Jesus and a Roman centurion came to him and said, I understand the authority. Do we understand that? The Roman centurion said, I'll tell this guy to go and he goes. I'll tell this one to come and he comes. There's no question of what I'm telling them to do because I've been given the authority from Rome itself, from Caesar, to say to these guys, you do that, you do that, you do that, and they have to do it. Authority is really powerful. It means that we have the opportunity, if we understand that we are walking in the authority of Christ to change circumstances in our life now. We do not have authority over people's choices. We don't. But we've been given authority by God in certain circumstances to, to change things. Over our family, God said, I've placed fathers over them. We have authority over the spiritual forces in this earth because God has given us, us that authority. So we can't say, God, change my wife, but we can say, God, open our eyes so we can see what you want. And the authority that comes in our life is mostly through the word that Jesus has preached to us. So husbands and wives will say, change my partner. Expecting that God will somehow move, but the authority is in the action on the word. Remember how we talked about that a little while ago? Obedience, to obey is better than sacrifice. We can pray for people that God would open their eyes and let the veil drop, that the light of the gospel would shine through, but we can't make anyone choose the gospel. 
It's not in our power. In fact, if we try and manipulate and move people's lives, that's called witchcraft. It's trying to use this this Christianity we have to, to manipulate people into how we want them to be rather than opening up their lives to God and how he wants them to be. Pray for your enemies. What are you going to pray for them? God, open their eyes. God, I pray your Holy Spirit will be all over them. We can do that, can't we? That's definitely within the authority that we have. And it's authority that comes from God himself through Christ living in us. In Romans chapter 1, Paul's talking and he says, it's my privilege and authority to share the gospel. I thank God for the privilege and authority that I have to share the gospel. I really don't know how to put this any other way. It's just like, guys, you can do it. Yeah, but I'm not good enough. What's that got to do with it? You've got the authority. Yeah, but maybe I'm not smart enough. Doesn't matter. You've got the authority. But, you know, I don't have the time and and stuff because I'm snowed under. Doesn't matter. You've got authority. You've been commissioned by Jesus to share this gospel. So, what do I want to say? Just do it. Just do it. Put your Nikes on. Just do it. But what am I going to share, Neil? What won you to Christ? I just want to touch on this now and, and I'll probably wrap it up. I say probably because usually I say I'll wrap it up and I keep going. <laughs> Do you know the difference between a witness and an expert? See, sometimes we think we're just not good enough or smart enough or we're not, we, we don't know the Greek of what this scripture means or maybe we haven't got this amazing revelation that we think we need to share the gospel. The gospel is not a weird gospel, you know? Like sometimes I think that scares us. We're, we're like, well, you know, we've read this story about a guy standing on his head near a Coke machine and that's exactly what this guy was looking for that day and he got saved and we're like, man, that's how you preach the gospel. You know, I, don't, I mean, it just makes it weird. I'm not saying you can't do that if that's what God's saying do. Jesus didn't do too many, well, he did some amazing things, but maybe spitting in someone's eye with mud, that's a little strange. But the guy saw, so there was a result, right? So that's good, but... And I didn't say Jesus stood on his head in front of the temple at Jerusalem because God told him there's someone coming and that's why they'll believe in him. No, he went around doing good. Went around doing good. <laughs> you know, is that hard? That's the gospel, doing good. And freeing up those that are oppressed by the devil. And yet somehow there's this blockage. Well, if I don't pray for this person in the wheelchair, I'm not preaching the gospel and they get up and walk. That's not preaching the gospel. Rubbish. So many more people are one to Christ through friendship, through you loving them, for you opening up your lives to them. 
how many unsaved friends do you have? How many non-Christians, people that haven't received Jesus yet, who need this beautiful gospel, do you have as friends? Are you hiding away in some Christian subculture? I'm going to preach the gospel to the world, but I actually don't know anyone. So therefore, I have to do this amazing, crazy thing of stepping out beyond my comfort zone to try and reach people. Make a friend. Live your life before them, and as questions come up, start to speak the good news to them. What's the good news? The Bible talks about it like this. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave, this wonderful, gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God and through Christ. You see, the message, the good news that we preach is this. It's the message of reconciliation. You're far from God. God sent Jesus to die for you so you could be at peace with him. It's not a wacky, weirdo thing. It's normal. It's like people are yearning for this closeness to God that they haven't had. And you say, man, you know what? God came into my life. The difference between a witness and expert. If I'm at a crash site and I'm saying, okay, who's, who's a witness? Yeah, me. What did you see? Oh, this is what I saw. What did you hear? Oh, this is what I heard. What did you feel? This is what I felt. What did you smell? This is what I smelled. You guys are witnesses for Jesus Christ. Each one of you has had God working in your life and a witness just tells what they've seen, they've heard, smelt, felt. How can anyone argue with that? You don't need to be the best apologetic person in the world, but if you come up to them and say, this was my life, I used to run around with lots of women and, and all that sort of stuff and, and God came into my life and he showed me the real purpose of marriage and fidelity and having a sacred relationship before him and my life changed. And now I've got peace. Or it could just be that. I was in so much turmoil and I, I didn't know what to do. I felt so yuck. I wanted to kill myself. And I came to God and I said, God, help me. If you're here, if you're true, if you're real, come into my life. And he did. And all of a sudden I felt a peace like I've never felt before. That is a witness. Don't complicate the gospel. It's a beautiful message of reconciliation when you think about the, the message of the, um, the prodigal son. All that is is a story of creation. And we could, oh, thinking about that story, there's a million messages you can speak. But think about it. God's dream to be in relationship with his children, Adam and Eve in the garden, the, the prodigal son with his father. No, we want our inheritance now. We want to know the difference between good and evil and we're getting it. We're taking what we need and we're leaving. God had a dream to have relationship with us in such a beautiful, wonderful way and that dream was destroyed through Satan's deception and that is what comes into our life. And then because of that man falls, just like the prodigal son went away and he came to this place where he was living in a pig pen. He'd spent the inheritance. Everything he tried to do didn't work and he was now starving and, and just saying, if only, if only I could be a servant in my father's house. 
A little bit like the Jewish nation under the law. They weren't, they weren't sons really. They were, but they weren't. There was still this law over them. It's like God actually said the law was like a school teacher, someone looking after you until the time when the true inheritance would come. That inheritance came in Jesus Christ. That's when it came. And because of him, he made a way back to the father. Think about the prodigal son going back down that road. If only I could be a servant. If only I could be a servant. And the father saw him far off and ran towards him. He ran and he, and he put a robe on him, a ring. He chucked the biggest party in the world that he could for him at that time because God was restoring the dream that he once had way back when, when he created the world. Each one of us is being given that ministry, that same ministry, the ministry of reconciliation to say, what was it? Come back to God. Not because you're a sinner, but because God loves you. And he wants to wipe away that sin. Come as you are. Let God clean you up. Come as you are. Let him take away that hurt. Come as you are. Let him take away the fear of failure. Come as you are. And he will restore you to that relationship as a son, as a daughter, not as a servant, not as a slave, but someone who he can embrace. I just love the verse that, that when it talks about the prodigal son, when it says, and the father hugged him and he pulled him close and he kissed his neck. Ever kiss the neck of your kids, anyone? Isn't that fun? Isn't that nice? Isn't it like, oh, my little kid, kissing your neck? <laughs> I love it. I don't do that with Jackson anymore. He's like this high and he'd probably punch me. No, he won't. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Dad. But you know what I mean? We're living in a broken world and this gospel is just so beautiful. It's not some mean, horrid gospel. As we said last week, Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn it came that the world through him might be saved. It's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. That's what the Bible says. Maybe it could be our kindness. Maybe we're authorised to be kind. Do you think that might be true? Authorised to love? We're not like James Bond, licensed to kill. (laughs) We're licensed to love. And bring people back into that relationship with him. And I just want to put out a challenge this week to you guys. When you meet people, I want you to pray this week. Seriously pray. God, can you use me to reconcile someone to you this week? Can you use me to share some good news? Now, as I said, it doesn't mean you have to be a weirdo. You can just be you. I guess if you are a weirdo, you can be a weirdo. (laughs) Just be you. Just be nice. Be kind like Jesus did and went around being good. Be good to people. Don't judge them. You're not the judge. God's the judge. We can look at fruits and all that. Yes, we can. But we're not out to condemn people. We're out to tell them this, this is the gospel. The ministry of what? Reconciliation. You'll get opportunity. Think about it during the week. What does he say? What's the good news in your situation? Oh, my marriage is bad. Oh, good news for you. God heals. Yeah, but my marriage is bad. Yeah, no, no, good news. Um, 
God can open blinded eyes. No, but, but my marriage is bad. What's the good news in that situation? Hey, God's got a way to mend that marriage. If you submit to him and do what he says in marriage, your marriage could be amazing and he just wants it to be. He loves you so much. He's in love with you. He wants to heal that. What's the good news? Oh, I'm just such an angry person and I can't forgive, as Karen was saying last week. Hey, I've got some good news for you. You know how you got turmoil in that because of your unforgiveness? God can deal with that. That's good news for you. Oh, but I'm just an angry person. The good news. God can free you from that. Betcha, any money. Anyone want to take me up on that? <laughs> no, we don't gamble here. But during the week, you'll meet someone who will say to you, oh, I've got this problem. This is happening in my life. I can't handle this. And how often do we keep our mouth shut? Just give a little gentle push. They might not want us to receive Christ. Cool. And I don't mean get them to the line and begging, but I mean they might not want to receive that bit you're sharing with them. Anyway. Let's read that again in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. You see, there's no other way that man can get saved through Jesus. But he's asked us to go and share the good news, hasn't he? And he says, I'm making this appeal through you. Come back. Come back to God. He loves you. He cares about you. And I just, sorry, I just really feel like I need to challenge you guys again. This week, wherever you are, what, what industry are you in? Building, teaching, accountancy, whatever, impacts. Just really want to put out a challenge. Think about what it is you would share with someone. What would you share with someone this week? Even if you don't. You come across someone and you think, they really need Jesus but you're not really sure how to do it, that's okay. But just think, go home and think about that situation this week. How could have I done that? How could have I gone through that open door? And I tell you the truth, that if you're looking for the door that's open, you'll find it. Seriously, you will. But there has to be that heightened expectation inside of us. I think Charles Finney used to say it, um, Spurgeon used to say it, they said, why aren't people being saved? People would ask them, why aren't people being saved in our church and our city? And they just said this simple thing. Do you expect anyone to be saved? They said, no. There's your answer. There's no faith in the people. No believing that God could change lives. Do you believe that God can change lives? Has he changed your life? Then, then seriously, help someone else. Does God change lives? Yes, he does. And you now are the ambassadors for him. You've been given the authority to preach the gospel. It's not of your own. It's not like you're just getting off your own back and amazingly going out and preaching this good news. Jesus is behind you, and you might even stuff it up. That doesn't really matter. 
because you couldn't have saved them anyway and you don't know what the Holy Spirit might do through you. You have authority to preach the gospel. Have a think about it this week. Think about it very carefully. You think your life in Christ is a little bit boring because things aren't happening. You start sharing the gospel, things will happen. Why? Because there's a power behind the gospel, as Paul said. You know, I don't come to you in amazing words and, and magnificence of speech, but I come to you fearful, just with the power of the gospel. You can't convince people to be saved. You can't reason them into salvation. Sometimes it helps to understand. But it's the power of the gospel to save. Think about it, the message. I need to stop. But think about that message. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. It's the gospel that's the power. The authority has been given in Christ to us. So therefore you put those things together. You're preaching a gospel of power with the authority of Jesus Christ. See how you go, hey? Please let me know if you've got some great stories. And, and a great story is this. Hey, Neil, I actually shared the gospel for the first time this week. Nothing really happened, but I shared it. That is a great testimony. Okay? Sometimes we minimise these things, but as we're growing in Christ, that's what we need to do. And you know what? We can make excuses. I'm so busy. This Man, Jesus and people's needs are everywhere. The church, the early church grew because they just took the gospel to every situation they were in, their schools, their homes. Their... They had servants in Caesar's palace where Christianity was outlawed by Caesar himself. They had Christians there that met together. That's dangerous, right? But the gospel spread to such an amazing Amazing way. I might show you the stats next week of how it just spread because people just talked about it. They didn't need a big program. They didn't need this special way of doing things or an evangelist to come into town. Each one of them just shared the gospel as they went. And people got saved. Let's just stand. I just want to pray for everyone. Um... And you might not have ever heard before that Jesus actually loves you, that he's in love with you. And the reason Jesus died was just so that you could actually be a friend with God again. I just feel like God's just, I actually do feel like God's talking to someone about that this morning. I'm just going to pray a prayer and just want you to pray along if you would. And just ask him into your life, this is how it's done. I believe in you, Jesus. Come into my life. I want to live for you. The death on the cross took care of our sin, that problem, and actually made us friends with God again. And that's what we do when we receive Christ. We're saying, God, I'm going to be your friend again. It's him working in you. You see, many people have this funny picture of God, and and it's even through maybe knowing other gods that God must be mean and horrible, but he's actually very friendly. He just wants you in his life so much. God is in love with you. God is in love with you. Not me, but I'm a horrible person. Yep, God's in love with you. He sent Jesus so that you could change. Don't clean yourself up and then come to him. It's not going to work. Yeah, but I smoke dope. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but I'm trapped in all these other things. Doesn't matter. 
Can I come to Jesus if I'm a liar? Yes, you can. Of course you can. He wants to clean you up. It's the whole point. Just come as you are and let him work in your life. So just pray for anyone here this morning that might just want to receive Jesus. Just pray with me in your head, whatever. Talk to a friend that you're with or someone you know that's a Christian. Just say how I prayed with the, the man out the front this morning. Can you talk to me a bit more about Jesus? And I'll just pray for all of us again as well. Father, I don't know why I've run from you, but I have. Can you come into my life today? I, I believe in Jesus, that he died for me, for my sin. I just want to accept him as my saviour this morning. Come into my life. From now on, on, I just want to live for you. And I'm so sorry for how I've been. Lord, I don't fully understand everything, but I just know that I need you in my life. Please come in. In Jesus' name. Father, I just want to pray for all of us this week. I pray for opportunities. Lord, I know they're always there. In fact, your word says that we're not to pray for the harvest, but for the harvesters. Because if we lift our eyes, we'll see that the harvest is actually there. It's ready. It's ripe. So, Lord, I'm praying for these harvesters in this building this morning as they go out into the field, Lord, to gather the grain and, and Lord, to sow seed as well. Let's pray for them right now that you'd empower them. Father, I pray that they will feel that sense that they have been authorized to preach this gospel. And, Lord, that they would this week step out in boldness to just tell someone about the way you want them back as a friend. In Jesus' name.